If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. This is the Future of School podcast mini-series, One Big Idea. On today's episode, we will hear from the incredible Dr. Terry Ferris, Senior Vice President of Education at American Heritage College. Terry, it's wonderful to have you here today. It is my pleasure, and boy, you just put a big I don't know what I would call it, halo, arrow, big head, whatever, when you said that. Thank you so much for having me, though. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's waste no time and dive right in. What is your one big idea for transformation in education? Oh, wow. You know, it's very interesting because I've been thinking a lot about this over the years. And one of the things I think we need to do in order to disrupt education is, I think we need to look at the possibility of bringing in individualized education plans for all students, not just the students that struggle. And here's why I believe that to be. I think we're finding out, especially after the pandemic and things that have happened, kids have different interests. Adults have different interests. And we have to find a way to connect to them, right? The, the days of this just nonstop testing versus let's bring back critical thinking. Well, let's find a way to connect with them even more than just the critical thinking. Let's find a way to find what they enjoy. I'll use my, my daughter as an example. I have a daughter that loves music. She can quote music like even back to the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Stuff that I didn't even listen to. She can quote it, tell you about the bands, everything, but she doesn't like school. Mm. It's not interesting to her. And it's not because she's not intelligent. She's not interested. Today, we live in a world where, you know, you have the ability for two to five minutes to keep the attention of most people, not just kids. At least that's my perspective of it. And if you can't, as a facilitator, as an educator, understand where their likes are and be able to help with that, I think you're going to potentially lose them. One of the things we talk about at American Heritage College, when it comes to, like, I'm going to use college as an example. Most universities, we focus on getting the top 10% the jobs, but then we forget about everybody else. I think sometimes we do that in education Hmm. because we're focused on the top tier students. And then all of a sudden, the middle student kind of is just there. Now, I'm going to use the word troubled or trouble students. They get the IEP, right? But what about that middle student? And who's to say that even that top 10%, they're enjoying what they're doing, right? So, That's my idea. I think that that is something that we could look into. And I think that we could make a big difference in the education for younger and even adults. Wow. There's so much to unpack in that. (laughs) 
I will share with you uh, a story too about my son since you inspired me. He was struggling in school two years ago and I was talking to him about potentially changing schools. Yes. And he has been at the same school since kindergarten. And mm-hmm. he said, mom, I love Aspen View. It's not that. And I said, well, you're struggling and there might be a different school with a new environment for you. And he said, it's not Aspen View that I don't like. It's school that I don't like. So he disaggregated out the community of his within his school where he goes to PE, where he learns experientially in the hallway with students, right? Mm-hmm. The pandemic has given us this great opportunity to reconceptualize learning behind a desk, learning in these very formal ways. Mm-hmm. And you brought something else up about, you know, when you talked about your daughter loving music, mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about the nomenclature. Why do we call math, English, science, and history? Why do we call those the core classes and everything else is elective? The name elective gives a, gives a connotation that it's optional, which yes. some of them are, but it doesn't make mm-hmm. it less important. Absolutely. That is, oh man, you just made a very good point there. I love that because, you know, I would add on that to hear when you hear the term elective, you think easy. This is just the easy yeah. grade to go along with those hard subjects, which again, math, let's face it, uh, while I didn't mind it, there are people that don't like math. And I think part of it is because, you know, I, I, I hear people talk about, well, when am I going to use trigonometry? You know, I used to work in career-based education for the longest time. And, and with American Heritage College, while we are, you know, helping students find placement, we're working with professionals who may already have a degree. But I worked with HVAC programs for many years. And the funny part is, these HVAC students are learning trigonometry, but they don't realize it. Why? Because we didn't call it trigonometry. It's exactly what you said. We taught it as a practical skill that they needed to be able to use it in their field. When you can do that, take it from a theoretical idea to a practical idea, people are going to enjoy it much more. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what you said. We've got these core uh, and the people who are listening to this podcast, I'm doing my air quotes because I talk with my <laughs> hands sometimes. Sorry about that. But anyway, I, I, we talk about the core and it's very hard to get some people interested in that. Yeah. And I think that you're, we need to change that. We really do. Uh, we need to find a way to help our parents to be able to connect with the kids. I don't know about you. I don't know if anybody's been on your show to talk about it, but it's hard for a lot of parents that aren't obviously educators and teachers. And it's even hard for me because I've worked in higher ed for those individuals to connect with their kids that have to learn from home. That's we've got to find a way to help be able to help connect that and give the teachers that ability and not just use it as a, as a crutch and a tool to, and I'm a little all over the place. You have to excuse no, me. no, no. I am actually going to draw a thread back to your idea. Yeah. Because you just drew a, th- a thread back to it yourself. Yeah. And well, that, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, just please. The, the, the parents will be engaged, more engaged if the kids are jazzed up about what they're learning. Correct. The kids will be more excited if they're learning things that speak to them or they're learning in a format that's a better fit for them. Not mm-hmm. to say that you're going to offer 50 versions of Algebra 1, right? No. It's just how can we make this relevant how, mm-hmm. and how can a student learn the value of it in a general kind of way 
And there is, I believe there's a ripple effect. So your idea of individualized education plans for everyone, it's, it's brilliant. And I believe that K-12 education is the only, you know, industry, we'll call it an industry and I'll use my air quotes. Yes. You know, it's the only entity that has not been catalyzed by technology to offer customization like this, like you're suggesting. Right. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, you know, we've been now we've been fortunate. There are those online K through 12 schools uh, that we know well that they've tried to take that approach a little bit because they'll give them a little bit of choice. Some of them. But, you know, it's funny, even teaching English as a second language, the material that they give them is 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 not meant to keep them engaged. It's just meant to. okay, you got to learn English. So here it is. So even in that world, it's, it's really not individualized. It's let me throw this PowerPoint together. Excuse me for clapping. And with that PowerPoint, it's like, okay, everybody just speak it. Where is the excitement? Where is the energy? You know, where is that for the teacher in some respects, right? Because even in our mind, we can't connect with all those kids because we don't know what they like. Hmm. You know, we, I, I think, I was talking to another of uh, the colleagues in the industry and it was very funny. And she said, you know, when I'm working with adults in the recruiting world and the placement and staffing world, she's like, I'm trying to bring back show and tell. Remember when we used to do show and tell? Yeah. We got to find something we really loved and we got to bring in and talk about it. We were teaching as kids, each other, We've taken that away in some respects. Why can't we even bring that back and see there's a whole nother topic? Yeah. But that goes back to an individualized plan because we could say, all right, this person actually, this child likes to teach others. He wants to serve others. Well, let's give him an opportunity. Give him a chance to share that information with others by bringing in. You know, I live in a small farming community. There are kids that love to farm just like their parents. There are kids that hate it. But there are kids that love it, and maybe they can show others that it's not what people think it is. And when they're tinkering with making a tractor work, guess what? That's a future engineer. Find the interest, right? Which goes back to an individualized plan. I love it. I think it's great. And in full support of individualized, what we call either we call them individualized education plans or individualized learning plans, call it what yes. you want. It is a customized pathway. So as we wrap up here and delve into the final few minutes, what needs to happen? What needs to happen to bring your big idea, Terry, to fruition? I believe that one, well, there's a couple different ways I think it could happen, right? The other day. I was speaking with somebody and, and really they said to a degree that with charter schools, let's say charter schools, right? Charter schools in some states, some districts, they're meant to be kind of the marketing to what works in the generalized population. Well, I know there are some schools that are trying this. There's been Montessori for years, but it, it really has to, we have to be able to show evidence that that works, right? So does it start with a research plan and a group Mm -hmm. of educators trying it and getting approval from their districts, from their states, what have you? I I feel like we've got to get it in front of a group of people that believe the old Socratic method, the old 
Carnegie unit of measurement is outdated and let's try the new things. Let's utilize the technology and find out what works for these kids. And let's use some research and look at it, right? So in a way, I didn't answer the question, but I did because I haven't pinpointed that yet. But I think, you know, unfortunately, as educators and administrators, we want to see analytics. We want to see data. Mm. Well, give us, a, give us an opportunity to do that. Give yeah. us the persons that want to try it and the district that's willing to try it to see what difference that makes, right? I, I shared a story, and I'll, I'll make this one quick. I remember my freshman year of high school, and one of the best courses I ever had was the critical and creative thinking class. Because we took scenarios, we researched scenarios, and we debated. We debated Mm -hmm. because we were able to present our idea, our big idea, and others were allowed to produce a counterpoint to it. Now, I probably would scare you if I shared you one of my topics that I did at the time, (laughs) Uh, but it it was very interesting. What the heck? I'll share it anyway. So it was, I did research on the Donner party Hmm. and the concept was, is cannibalism right or wrong? Now that's a tough subject, right? Look at the look you're giving me right now. You're like, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to talk to this guy anymore. I was thinking my, what did you, you took that in high school? You said, right? That was my freshman year of high school. Yeah. That's a deep thought for a freshman. It's a very deep thought. Right. And so again, it gave me the ability to think and the people who had to produce the counterpoints, which they destroyed me, <laughs> uh, you know, cause I took the side of, yeah, in certain circumstances, it is okay, <laughs> but they destroyed me. But it was the fact of, we got to think for ourselves. Yeah. Nobody said we were right or wrong, but we all presented ideas and we all learned from each other. Yeah. That's what we need. You know, that's what we need. Get away from, preparing for two weeks for these exams that you're going to take an entire week of that that means you've lost a chance to mold the mind fantastic yeah different pathways for different students individualized learning plans for all great idea you've inspired many and we look forward to hearing how they've implemented this new exciting big idea terry absolutely thank you again for letting me speak to you i love it every time we get to talk me too. And, uh, it was great being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show. 